0: I to jump into Acts chapter 6 verses 1 through 7 today um, because I, this is going to be a short, different kind of message, but I think it's powerful. I think in the, in the stage of our life, where we're at at Church Project, there's so much cool stuff that's happening. We are definitely a project. We're, we're in pursuit to discover what God intended church to be, how, how to marriage, like the gospel message and relationships, and to do it with people that are coming and going of all ages. This is the beauty of church. And so let me read a powerful passage that I kind of wished was going to happen next weekend. And you'll see why. And we keep alluding to this thing. uh, Next weekend, by the way, we're not meeting here in this space. We're meeting over at St. Paul's Congregational Church on 16th Street. We'll talk about that in a minute. But two bodies are going to be worshiping together. And so keep that in mind as we're even going through this passage today and why I kind of wish this passage hit next week. But... I think it's good for today. So, you ready? Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Verse 3. Therefore, brothers... and Nicholas. Ah, uh, whatever. Nicholas. Nic- what? A proselyte of Antioch. The, these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And in verse 7 And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great number, and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. Okay. Here's the story, if you've been following in the book of Acts, or if you're just jumping in for the first time, this is the beginning of the church. Like, incredible things are starting to happen. This Jesus had come... He had lived a beautiful life. He had died. He had risen from the dead. And and he left a handful of people in charge of the church. And it starts to grow. The authorities of the land start to get confused and worried that they're losing power and things are starting to happen. A great number of people are becoming followers of the way is what it's called later on in Acts. Like there's a momentum that's happening around this new thing that people cannot put words to yet. They just know that it is powerful. If you've been part of any organization that grows, and Church Project is a little bit like that right now, growth equals growing pains. As as something one becomes two, becomes four, and begins to multiply, growth equals growing pains. And even as Church Project grows, so does our need for organization. To implement things like emails before we used to be able to say something, and everyone knew because there was four of us, now we have to communicate through email. organization has to grow. This is why we take July off of house churches, so our house church pastors and the host homes can rest from giving all week long or all year long. Change is coming down the way for us, yes, because we 're living. who knows what tomorrow will look like. In this text of what's happening here, change was coming down the way for this new gathering of people because multiple people were added to their number daily. Recently, I uh, was able to graduate. Can you believe that? Woohoo! I graduated. Wow, that was a miracle. Half, half the books that, that I read because my, my emphasis was in leadership. Half the books that I read for this degree were about how to lead through change. Because in any organization, whether it be church, whether it be organizations, whether it be this early church, because something looks like it is right now doesn't mean it will look like it is tomorrow. I mean, as men, as women, as humans, we continually change. And so as this early church, many people were added to their numbers. They needed something to happen because growth equals growing pains. If you remember back in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, you can, you can look back in your Bible. I think it's really cool. We all say this. We want this to happen in our life. All were together and had everything in common. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. How many of you are like, we want to be like the, old, the, the, old, the New Testament church, the, the, the young church. They had everything in common and they shared and it was beautiful. You ever been in conversations like that where you're like, I just want to be like that? Well, I have. Like, let's be more like that. They had everything in common. Doesn't it sound beautiful? Absolutely. But sooner or later, when you live together and share and have everything in common, there's going to be problems in your community. It's just going to arise. Do you have conflict in your uh, marriage? Do you have conflicts in your family? Do you have conflicts with your best friend? Do you have conflict with your kids, coworkers? There's conflict. Everywhere that we go, one of the things I think is beautiful, and we'll get to this in a minute, is that right now in Acts chapter 6 verses 1 through 7 is the first time that it begins, the, the gospel message begins to shift And you begin to see verbiage used here that we're going to find throughout the rest of Acts in which the Gentiles are included. This is not only a message for the Jewish people or for the proper people. We begin to see an unleashing of the Spirit for men, women, child, for the free, for the slaves, for everyone included. And so right now in this chapter, we begin to see a multicultural church. Thank God. Thank th- God that this is not a uh, homogenous thing. And this is one of the reasons why with our house churches, we say it's across the board. Generations come, young and old, like come together. We need the young people there because us old people are dead. <laughs> that was funny, I thought. That, that was not a mic drop. That failed. Kendall, I hate I hate when those jokes fail like that. I know, it's terrible, man. And the fact that we're still talking about it is terrible. <laughs> Welcome to Church Project. But we also need the vitality of the young people. We need the, the wisdom of the, of the older people and everything in between. And we get to see this in the early church and in this passage specifically. This is a multicultural church. Thank you, God. And we see in verse 1, for the first time in Acts, they are called Disciples. As these two groups join together. huh? You see why I wanted to talk about this next week a little bit? These two, group, these two groups are joined together. They're of di- different ethnic and linguistic background. And because they're of different ethnic and linguistic background, it is causing tension in the early church. So look, look in verse 1. It says right here, that now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenist arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Does it sound like growing pains to you right now? The Hellenist is one group, okay? And when you look at the Hellenist and you begin to study and research, and I, ch- I challenge you to do it this week, you, in these two groups, just have fun. You can study for days and days and days on these gr- two groups and what they where they came from and what they're about. But here's the flyby that I found. The Hellenists are from the, D- the Diaspora. They speak Kone Greek um, and they're Greek-speaking Jews. They attended synagogues where the services were conducted in Greek. That's the Hellenists. Now, the Hebrews. The Hebrews, they're from Palestine. And they spoke primarily Aramaic. Different language. And they attended synagogues where the services were conducted in Hebrew. Now here's a problem as you begin to look at these two separate groups. Where they came from, where they lived, what they spoke. The the Hebraic Jews had a sense of superiority over the ones that spoke Greek. Because of their own birthplace and because of their language. Basically, the latter, the Hebrews thought we're the Shiznas. Look where we are born. We are God's chosen people. You people that speak Greek and you come from way out there, the diaspora way out there. Am I not supposed to say that? I'm getting in trouble today. You're, this isn't you. You're adopted into this thing we already have going. So they're, so they're, in a sense, already saying this. They're very proud in what they do and how they do that. So you see these two different groups They're coming from different places and they're speaking two different languages. You can see how when they come together and one of them thinks that they're higher up, superior than the other ones, that there's going to be problems happening right here. So you see that in verse 1. Let's get to verse 2. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, "It is not right that we should give up preaching for the word, uh, preaching the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But you will devout, devote uh, but we will devout, devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word." You see here in verses 2 through 4 right now that the apostles, the ones that were appointed over the people, they knew what to do when this dispute came up. They knew what to do. The first thing that they did when this dispute between these two groups came up, that we're now meeting together, this movement of the way, this exciting thing that was happening, and a problem arose because growth equals growing pains, the apostles, they know what to do, and the first thing they do is they call a family meeting. Time out. All the disciples, not just this group have your meeting and this group have your meeting. No, time out. This is a family this is a family from different places that speak different languages, but we're tied together by the Spirit of God, so time out in this dispute. Let's have a family meeting. They, pu- they pull all the disciples together, and you can see in those verses that we just read, they call the family meeting. We have family meetings, and when we call a family meeting, sometimes it's exciting, but sometimes it's not going to be good. We got something that we need to talk through and work through as a family, and I imagine you do as well. I imagine in your organizations, you have staff meetings. You know what those are all about. But the best way to solve a problem is not to try to solve it here, 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 and here, and here. It's to time out, family meeting, let's all get on the same page. The apostles know to do that, first thing. The second thing that they do is they knew what God had called them to do, or better yet, the better way to say it, is they knew what God had called them not to do. Right? I mean, it says right here, it's not right that we should give up our preaching, the word of God, and serve tables. They knew what God had called them to do. So, number one, they called a family meeting. Number two, they knew what God had called them to do or not to do. And then number three, I think, is the most powerful thing that you see, and we talk about it all the time, they equipped the people. They called this family meeting, and they equipped the people. They said, there is a problem. We're going to address it. We know what we're called to do, and we're not called to solve it. Y'all fix it. And they called this family meeting, and they equipped the people, which is a verse that I I quote quite often. Ephesians 4.12, I think, is one of my job descriptions and our job descriptions as the church. And Ephesians 4.12 says this, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. How terrible would it be if the apostles said, We know what to do, call a family meeting, we're going to come up with a plan, we're going to tell you what to do, now go do it. Like from the beginning, they were the point, they, they were the break in the system, but they were wise enough to know that they were, they were there for a specific reason and they were going to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I don't know if, if you're as proud as I am, but I'm pretty proud. I can remember especially on and early on and being a pastor, let me, let me, let me put my, my, uh, my button up, put my tie on, because I had it together. And my pride led me quite often to be the first one to the building on Sunday mornings, extremely early, to be the last one out of the building on Sunday mornings, extremely late to set up all the chairs, to lead all the worship, to preach all the preaching, to probably even run the sound. I would never do kids though. Forget that. No. It takes Where's Aaron? Aaron, I know Aaron's in here somewhere. That wasn't a knock on kids. That was a knock on my ability. <laughs> so I was a very proud person that thought first one here, last one gone, I can do all this. You guys just sit, let me serve you. Like, let me be the answer. Let me be all this. It didn't take long for for Aaron to realize I'm burning the candle at both ends, and I'm doing no good by serving the church at large, by being the one that's doing everything at large. And I think the apostles at the very beginning knew this. Like, they knew this was a moment where they could either stop the growth of the church or they can empower the saints to do the work of the ministry. Quite honestly, it requires all of us doing the same for this body to operate. Knowing what God has called us to do, but even before that happens, we need to know who we are in Christ. The apostles had walked with Jesus. They had a relationship with Jesus. Nah, this isn't in the Bible. You're not going to find it. I don't think it's heretical, but I can imagine times when each one of these apostles sat quietly with Jesus over a Starbucks or a McDonald's coffee. That's pretty good, too. And they talked. And Jesus told jokes. And they laughed. And Jesus locked eyes with them and told them something intimate about themselves. Something that he loved about who they were. Like they had a relationship. And this man, Jesus, had empowered the apostles and they had a relationship together. So now when they're moving forward and now Jesus is gone and out of the scene, the apostles knew who they were. They had walked with the man. The man had spoken life into them. They, Jesus had told them what they were good at, and Jesus had told them how much he loved them. And here and now, and as the early churches grow, and the apostles knew who they were. The same is required of us today, church, that we would know Jesus intimately, that we would spend time with him, that we would listen to him as he whispers into our ears and locks eyes with us, and, and doesn't beat us up for what we've done right or done wrong, but whispers beauty and life and love and how much he loves us and how much he's for us. When we continually wash ourselves in the word of God found in scripture and found in prayer, we begin to believe that what he's telling us is that we are men and women, not, set, not, not slaves, but we are set free from the bondage of sin and our identity is found in him. When our identity is found in Him, then and only then we know why we're here on earth. We're here to love people. We're here to make disciples. We're here to equip the saints. We're here to do the various things that every one of you beautiful men and women are doing throughout the week. The places that you go. The spaces that you go. You are going as priests. You are going to do. You are going to love. You are going to be the living word wherever you go. And it requires all of us doing this to the highest of our capacity for this church to operate the way God designed it to operate. Don't expect me to be the first one here on Sunday mornings and the last one gone, because actually Jeremy and Chad are the first ones here. Chad sets up all these chairs. Who wants to help Chad do that? This is a plug for you, bro. No one raised their hand though. <laughs> now I want to point out in this place right there, right here in this passage that this isn't a knock on serving tables. Right? The apostles aren't knocking those saying, you weaker people, you serve the tables. No, they knew what they were called to do. And they knew by them serving the tables, they weren't doing what God called them to do. So it's not a knock on serving tables. In fact, the Christian message at this point began to grow throughout Judea and other regions because of the men that were put in charge, not because of the apostles. The power of the church began to move and shift at this point. Because the, the saints were equipped to do the work of the ministry. Okay, let's get on to verse 5. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. Okay, time out. When in leadership ever has something been proposed and everyone in the family meeting goes, you know what, sounds good, let's go with it. <laughs> no way ever. That just does not happen. It happened here. They called the family meeting, said there's a problem, here's a solution, we're going to pick seven men. Good, good, wonderful. In verse five, and, they, and what they said, it pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen and a whole bunch of other people. I'm not gonna try again. Verse six, these they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. In verse seven, and the word of God continued to increase. Amen, amen. Look at verse five and seven. It pleased the whole gathering. They were masters, that's beautiful. Of the men that they picked, by the way, all had Greek names. Okay? Now, as you, as you begin to study, it's, that's not just they picked all the Greek side of people. Um, the, the Hebraic Jews typically had three different names, three different. So they, so they might have used their Greek name in this point as part. But they, I think it's very clear, and Luke makes very clear here, that they didn't just pick seven guys from this side. They picked some from this side, and they picked some from this side, and said, we are now mingling together, and now this is the leadership. And then notice here also that in, in these verses that they laid their hands on them and set them apart for ministry. This is where if you hear this fancy word called ordination, I've been ordained. If someone says, I've been ordained, wonderful, that's great. That's not an office, and so don't, we, don't, we don't use this as an office, we use this, and I, I was, I've been ordained twice, and it's, it's powerful. The first time I got ordained, I, I, it was at this huge, massive church, and I, it was during a staff meeting, so we got up on the stage, and there was about, uh, about 60 pastors at this church, and so they all surrounded me on a random Tuesday afternoon, and they laid their hands on me and said, basically, God, we believe Aaron's been set apart for ministry, and they gave me a piece of paper to prove I was. That's ordination. The next time I went to another church and I was ordained and I didn't even know I was ordained. I just got a letter in the mail that said, congratulations, you're ordained. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Man, so anybody want to be ordained? No. But we do this all the time, like so. Don't don't see this as an office. See this as a beautiful imparting. Like they they said, this is a symbol that we believe you are men of good rapport. That the passion of spirit is in you, and on and on. As this as he said, like they set them apart by laying on their hands, and then in verse seven, I think is beautiful. We begin to see this um, six times through the book of Acts. Where it's like Luke forgets what he's doing, and then he busts into verse 7. He tells a story, and then in verse 7 he says, and the word of God continued to increase. Like He's telling this narrative, and then for six times throughout the book of Acts, you see Luke go, oh, but this is very evangelistic. Look in verse 7, this is very evangelistic, and I want to remind you why everything's growing. And so he breaks out in verse 7 and does that. You'll see that continually throughout the book of Acts. It is time for us to get busy. I, I skipped over something that I, 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 I want to get back and I want to return to. Because I wanted to give us the whole big story. But church, this is, this is where rubber meets the road today. It's time for us to get busy. Because go back up, if you would, um, and look at verse 4. The apostles, they say we will devote ourselves to what? Prayer and to the ministry of the word. Prayer is communion with God. It's it's talking with God. We read throughout scripture the importance of prayer and, and communicating with God. We see be still and know that I am God and I'm ripping off my house church more than anything right now. Because, because Kim, because Mike, because Lauren, because wonderful people that we met with um, on Wednesday, the McClures, we began to talk about prayer and the power of prayer. Prayer is, is nothing more than communion with God and knowing his heart and knowing his word to being still and knowing that he is God. And as Americans, we are typically bad at this. I mean, we may, we may throw out the, like, the two-minute, like, God, speak to me. Okay, still, still, still. And then your iPhone goes off. You're like, oh, I got a tweet. As Americans, we're we're typically bad at this. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And then our house church said, hey, there's sheep videos where you can watch shepherds calling out to their sheep and you can see it so i actually downloaded one or jeremy did aaron can you can you show this this is a shepherd and his sheep (laughs) Pick up, pick up, John 10 27 my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me And do you know your father's voice like this the only way we're going to know our father's voice is by spending time with him spending time in the word because we see throughout scripture that Satan doesn't usually show up with big fangs and <laughs> a big pitchfork wearing a red costume shows up subtly, just takes enough truth and twists it where it sounds just about right. But unless we know scripture and unless we know the voice of our shepherd, we're easily led astray. My prayer for all of us today is that we are compelled to leave here and to continue to chase after our father's voice. Continually open Scripture. Continue to go to house church and talk about the truths of Scripture, because it can be ever so slightly twisted to be a non-truth. Why do I pause and why do I take this direction of this passage the way that it is today? Well, I'm I'm done teaching. I want to talk about church project. I want to talk about next week. And for those of you that are that are just visiting or, or haven't heard this word. I want to update you as far as church project, what you see right here, um, some things that are happening. Next week, we're taking what we're calling a road trip on Sunday. Uh, and we are going to St. Paul's uh, Congregational Church. And the, ad- the address, you can write it down. Um, it's, it's on uh, 16th Street, so less than a mile away. And so write down this address. Again, it'll come in email form. But we are going to be worshiping with a, together, two separate, not Greek and Aramaic, but two separate congregations are going to be worshiping together because God has been doing something that we don't know what he's doing. How's that for good leadership? (laughs) We have no idea what God is doing. We just know that God has been opening the doors the last month or more in putting us in conversations with the people of St. Paul's Congregational Church. Now, here's what's a little different about them compared to us. Their average age is 84. Do we have? Well, oh, Grandpa, you're, 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 you've raised our age quite a bit. Uh, thank you. We need, we need that statistic. That's good. But uh, enough said. This is a church that quite honestly right now, for the first time, they're realizing we are a dying congregation. We have one or two people young. But they're doing more funerals than anything else. And it is is a place where God has put us together, our leadership teams together, to ask the bigger question, God, what are you doing for the church, capital C Church at large? We don't know if next week we just go and we worship and have a potluck, good German food. And then that was it. We just infused them in life, and we learned some stuff, and we're back here. We don't know if that's the case. We don't know if God is going to be merging our two churches together, much like we've already had in the history of Church Project, two churches marrying together. We don't know that. We know absolutely nothing at this point other than God is saying, there's an open door, and I want you to walk through that open door. I'm being very vulnerable because I think this is the time right now where Satan really loves to come into churches and cause division. Rumors happening. What's happening? Aaron's leaving. Whatever. whatever. Like, rumors start happening and start going around at this time. And I want to stop it right now and just say this. We don't know. All we know is God's moving. And we're going to go and we're going to follow this. So, here's what I'm calling us to. Here's some details about next week, okay? Okay. I want us to pray this morning, literally pray this morning for our our time together next week, first thing. Um, Next week, I want to invite all of us to actually fast from sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night. That way we can wake up and have breakfast and not be grumpy on Sunday morning. That's more for me than anything else. Preaching on an empty stomach, that could be bad. Uh, so I'm going to call us to fast on Friday night all the way to Saturday night, and that is nothing more than setting aside, most people do food, set aside food. It may be something else that you want to set aside, um, listening to music, watching YouTubes maybe, I don't know, wh- whatever, whatever God's calling you to do. I'll send out more information on on an email this week about this, but I want to call us to fast together as a church for whatever God may be having for us to do next week. I want to ask us to um, arrive next week to their building no later than 9.45 because they are very prompt and on time. We are not <laughs> at all on time. And so I'm going to ask us, I know it's going to be hard, wake up 10 minutes early, be there no later than 9.45. Um, a couple of details, we will have Project Kids, the small age, the nursery, but the older ages, we're going to be sitting together Um, so we will have that. Um, I want us to keep in mind that they are our hosts, and they've invited us to come and worship with them. Now, I'm going to be preaching. Jeremy's going to be doing worship. I mean, it's going to be church project in a different location, um, which is going to be awesome. It's going to be church project over there, but we are the guests there. One thing I do know is how many of you sit in the same chair every week? Liars! Liars, liars! I sit right there. I'm like in the same area. Yeah, Bill's like I sit behind the tall guy every week. It's because the tall guy moved. You moved in front of him. You maybe you should switch rows. Like go. I do know this. Imagine if you've been going to church for fifty plus years, you might sit in the same pew, same spot every time. And I want us to keep in mind that we're guests. So one of the things that I that I asked and Bill Jerky thought of this, and I thought it was brilliant, is that we're going to have hosts. Um, pews, host, host, pew hosts, we'll call it that, and that's, that is St. Paul people that are going to welcome us, we're all going to have name tags, we're going to put them on, but they're going to welcome us to sit down, so what we don't want to do is everyone get there at 9:45, rush in and sit down in chairs, and now St. Paul's comes in and go, you're sitting in my chair, like, okay, that might upset you, that might upset you, don't you dare sit in my chair, like, That's that's something that's easy to overcome. So we're just gonna do that. We're gonna show up no later, 9 45. We're gonna be out there together and we're gonna be hosted to sit so we don't take anyone's chairs. Like we want to build a relationship here. If by us simply moving a chair over or a chair back gets it so everyone's a little more at peace and a little more comfortable, then we're gonna move a chair back. It's not a big deal. Like there's things that we can make a big deal that we're not going to make a big deal about, but there's also things that at Church Project we're not going to give up on. Like we are preaching, Jeremy's doing worship, it's going to be beautiful. They are going to be highly uncomfortable. But they also are curious as to what God's doing. So just keep that in mind. As uncomfortable as it may be for us, it's going to be just as uncomfortable for them. But the big question mark is, God, what are you doing? How beautiful that we see in this passage these two separate people from born in different places speaking different languages are brought together. And in verse 7, Luke reminds us that the word of God continued to increase. And people were added to their numbers, including priests were added to their numbers. And it was an unstoppable force that started right here in this passage. And I believe next week, We have an opportunity, two separate groups, to worship together that the Word of God may increase. We don't know what it looks like, and we don't care what it looks like, other than the Word of God increasing. Living life alone is difficult and impossible. We are about community. We are about relationships. So, next week, let's enter into relationships and see what God may be doing. If you're isolated from relationships, it's only a matter of time until you're gone from Church Project. It's hard to leave relationships. It's easy to leave organizations. So if Church Project is nothing more than an organization, this may be the beginning of your end here at Church Project. We don't want it to be. We want to do relationships with you and do them really well. There's that aspect. I'm going to ask us, to enter into a a sincere time of prayer, I want to update you or or let you know of something that I'm doing on Tuesday. Um, On Tuesday, I'm going down to uh, Boulder Jail. Um, I've been visiting a young girl. Her name is Callie. Her parents go to Church Project in Houston, um, down there. And she had an accident about a year ago in which there was a fatality. And she's been in The Boulder Jail for the last year. Her sentencing happens on Tuesday. Um, She is in isolation. And when I go and I visit her, she longs for scripture. She longs for relationship. She's unknown of the future. And you can imagine all the things that she's processing as a 23-year-old waiting for her sentencing to find out which prison she's going to. One of the most touching things for me was going and visiting her right after our Easter gathering. And it's just her and I in a room, no windows, I mean a jail cell. And she goes, Aaron, tell me the story. I said, what story? What are you talking about? She goes, because I'm in here, I don't have a Bible, I can't have anything, I just want to know the story, the Easter story. Tell me the Easter story. And I was able to the next, for the next seven minutes, just give a short version of my message, which some of you are like, would you do that on Sunday too? But I I gave her the short version of my message that I gave on Easter, and I cried halfway through it. And she cried halfway through it because she's longing for relationships, and she's longing for this story, and it's changing her life. And by the way, she, as I visited her this last week, she says she considers herself part of Church Project Greeley, She's been praying for us specifically for the last five weeks that God would continue to do incredible things. Like, she is part of us, though she's not here. And so I told her this week that we would pray for her this morning for her sentencing on Tuesday. So I'm going to ask Jeremy to come up here. Um, and this is the time of the movement where I, I pray that, that, church, you would just respond to what God's doing in your heart. During this time... We're going to be praying. Um, During this time, we're going to be worshiping. I'm going to ask, in fact, our prayer team, if you would, to just stand up and and go to the side. Um, Maybe if you're here today and you literally need prayer for something going on in your life, or you need someone to pray with you or join with you on something that God's showing you or telling you, would you go and, and pray with some of these beautiful men and women on the sides that love you deeply They don't have it all together, but they just know that God has changed their life and continues to do so, and they want to point you to this beautiful Savior. So maybe you just go up and say, tell me who God is. Tell me why this Christianity thing is still happening 2,000 years later. Tell me the hope that you have. Why do you have such hope? So I'm going to ask us, if we would, to pray for St. Paul's together, Maybe grab someone next to you and begin to do that. Let's pray for Cali. Let's pray for the city of Greeley. Let's pray for whatever God puts on your heart. If you need prayer, then just move to one of these people standing, and we'll continue to be a place that's just in movement this morning. So I'm going to ask us to stand right now. I'm going to pray over us, and then we'll worship and just spend this time praying together. God, I pray that in this place you move in our hearts, that we're not a stagnant people that just stands or sits. But we're a people that respond and move. And even in this morning, would you convict us? Would you pour your spirit on us, God? Would you let us know the things you want us to pray for and how to pray? And God, would you move us to be a people that moves even this morning? God, I pray that if there's anyone here that's hurting, that's in pain, that's struggling, that God, you would show them how much you have for their life. That you are the hope. That you are love. And God, you are everything. I pray that no one leaves here this morning feeling isolated or alone. But God, you compel us to live intimately together as children of a king. Thank you for our time together. And may you accept this praise. And may we be a people of movement and prayer this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.